The enthusiasm for Trump is crazy. If there's any doubt about Trump's strength going into the primary season, I don't have it at all. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, January 16th. Today, I'm joined by Tara Palmieri to break down the results of last night's Iowa Republican caucuses, which were dominated by Donald Trump. What does his blowout win mean for Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis' chances moving forward? And will DeSantis even stay in the GOP race? Tara joins me from New Hampshire, and together we break down all the angles. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. If you're listening today, you're in luck. My fellow campaign hack, Tara Palmieri, and I are recording a special, timely episode of the powers that be for you based on the Iowa caucus results. It's about 10 p.m. East Coast time as we're taping this. So not all the results are in, but about half of them are. And look, Donald Trump is running away with this thing. There's a lot to get into. We're going to talk about what happens after Iowa in New Hampshire, South Carolina, and beyond later in the show. But first, Tara, welcome to the show. Where specifically are you joining me from? Because this is pretty good. I am at Castro's back room in Nashua, New Hampshire. I'm on Main Street. It is in it's a cigar shop. Um, there are 12 men downstairs. <laughs> one, all of them are Trump voters except for one. The only reason he's not voting for Trump is because he thinks that Trump will be convicted. And so he's got to pick Nikki Haley. I think that tells you something. Uh, mm-hmm. One out of 12 in the heart of the primary caucus uh, area is going to actually vote for Nikki Haley. But, you know, we'll see. It's amusing hearing uh, about a bunch of Trump voters in a uh, establishment named after Fidel Castro. But, you know, cigar bars are going to be cigar bars. I want to get more into what they're saying on the ground there in New Hampshire. But you and I both, I think, made the correct decision kind of at the last minute just not to go to Iowa with the rest of the thousand journalists there to watch the last few days of a contest that was really not a contest in the end. Uh, You know, CNN called Mm -hmm. this thing at like <laughs> right right when uh right when the uh caucus precincts opened basically as we're recording this he's up by about 30 points over Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley who are in a muddle for second that's an outcome I think neither of them wanted um but i i think one of the reasons both of us decided not to go other than the weather was just that this yeah. this was never in doubt and despite the press really hyper focusing on nitty gritty and the race for second place and which which counties are going to go for who there's just a bigger picture that we need to step back and acknowledge so from your perspective sitting there in nashua what is your like just macro read on what happened in iowa on monday night i mean to me i'm the early entrance polls they to me are really telling cnn Hmm. 65% of caucus goers do not believe that Biden was elected legitimately. 64% of caucus voters say they will vote for Trump if he is convicted. To me, 
that so- it sounds like Trump could get 60 points. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, it, the enthusiasm for Trump is crazy. If there's any doubt um, about Trump's strength going into the primary season, I don't have it at all. Uh, not that I did. I'm more interested in what happens in New Hampshire, which is why I'm here. It, it might be the closest race. But mm-hmm. then after that, I'm sure you're going to see even crazier numbers in South Carolina, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and even just being in this bar and getting the vibe that it's Trump country here uh, in New Hampshire, maybe in some of the wealthier, um, I don't I don't know, Nashville's not like, it's not like a rural area either. Um, mm. But I, I was just surprised. I mean, the, the whole thing was like, will Trump break 50? Now mm-hmm. it's like, could Trump, I don't know, could Trump get 60? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that possible at this point? I mean, you know, by the time people are listening to this, uh, it's possible. I, I am like just really fascinated by some of the the spin I'm hearing from people trying to criticize Donald Trump tonight. Uh, I was watching MSNBC a little bit last night and uh, Lawrence O'Donnell was saying, well, actually, because Trump is basically an incumbent, He's actually doing poorly, <laughs> which is really funny. Oh, I've I mean, heard that from weeks. Yeah, that's DeSantis spin. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really amusing because, you know, I said this on the pod last week and wrote about this, but uh, I think Bob Dole won by 12, George W. Bush won by 10. Uh, those were treated at the time in 96 and 2000 as blowouts by the press. Uh, and so, again, mm. like we need to step back and just understand this is like complete dominance on the part of Donald Trump, and you mentioned the entrance polls, it's just a very, very conservative electorate, you know, full of election yeah. dire, uh, election deniers, want a national abortion ban, just a, like a perfectly hybrid mix of evangelicals and MAGA voters. But he's winning educated voters as well now in mm-hmm, these polls. Exactly. What's going on here? His his level of, I guess, popularity is just growing. It's amazing how much it's grown too since 2016. And that that some of that falls on DeSantis and Haley for just you know just not <laughs> just not <laughs> not selling themselves like if you look at Haley's voters for example in, both in the Des Moines Register poll that uh, they put out over the weekend and the results of the entrance polls last night you know her supporters are just not super motivated and right. uh, you know speaking of the Dwayne Register they had a sort of like preview article uh, late last week basically saying the weather could cause low turnout which could hurt Donald Trump because Trump supporters are irregular republicans they don't usually participate in the process and if it's really cold and really snowy and really icy they might not show up and that felt like delusion i mean if you've ever mm-hmm. met a trump supporter they will crawl over glass to vote for their guy, in this case, to caucus for their guy. And like you said, it's it, they're the ones, so far at least, according to our reading of, of the results in the entrance polls at the time we're taping this, the other candidates just never closed the deal. And one thing I'm looking at, at least, you know, is the results that are- I've from- also heard it spun the other way, though, Peter. I've also heard that in the rural areas mm-hmm. there, the roads are not as clear and the wind is bad. And so <laughs> it's been spun both ways, yes. uh, you know. And then also I've heard, uh, you know, Haley, her voters are all in the wealthy suburbs and in Des Moines mm-hmm. where the roads are, you know, cleared up. So it's like it, you can spin the weather whichever way you want, right? 
I think we saw exactly what we were going to get, tundra or no tundra. I think you're right, Tara. I, I think you're exactly right. And it, it, Trump is just... There's no enthusiasm the for Haley. There's no that's enthusiasm those, for that's Haley. That's what the poll shows. Yeah, there's no enthusiasm, a, a relative lack of enthusiasm for DeSantis. And like you said, a lot of people thought the election was stolen. People think Donald Trump is either should be president currently or at least deserves another shot. And they're with him on the issues. One point to his dominance is one of the counties I was watching going in to the caucuses was Scott County out in the east along the Mississippi River along the Illinois border that's where Davenport is you know a mix mm-hmm. of like working class but a little suburban that's one of those counties that uh, Marco Rubio won back in 2016 in those caucuses mm-hmm. Donald Trump though was really competitive there and it's sort of like a it's also a swing county in the general election. Uh, Joe Biden won it by like three points over Donald Trump in 2020. So Mm -hmm. I was looking at tonight being like, okay, Scott County is a good example of a place where if, if, if Trump is going to have a bad-ish or like soft night, Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis will do well there. Trump will underperform. But like looking at the results, you know, and there's like about 97% of the votes in from Scott County as I'm recording this. Trump is like blowing the doors off in Scott County, 50% to Nikki Haley's 25 to Ron's 18. So like that theoretically was a county that would be, the margin would be smaller there if Nikki Haley was more competitive, if Ron DeSantis was more competitive. Mm. But people there are just like, nope, Trump is our guy. Trump is our guy. And that that just tells me everything about where this was. The other two candidates couldn't convince caucus goers that uh, another person needed a shot at the nomination. Tara, I want to take a quick break and come back and talk to you more about what happens to Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley after this in New Hampshire. Welcome back to the Powers That Be, everybody. Special Iowa edition of the episode with my colleague, Tara Palmieri, also the host of Somebody's Gonna Win on the Ringer Podcast Network. Everyone, make sure you smash that subscribe button for Somebody's Gotta Win. Tara is joining me from Castro's Back Room, a cigar shop in Nashua, New Hampshire, home of the (laughs) next contest, the first in the nation, proudly on their part, Republican primary coming up. After Iowa. You've been down Ter- on this one. <laughs> you've been What's down that? on New Hampshire, too. I feel like you've been down on New Hampshire. Uh, not as much. I mean, like, look, I I haven't been down on New Hampshire. I'm just, New Hampshire is an open primary. Um, you talk all the time with their Republican governor, Chris Sununu, who's endorsed Nikki Haley. New Hampshire is fertile ground for Nikki Haley. She's done very well in the polls lately, depending on what you're looking at. She's, you know, she might be, since Chris Christie dropped out, like, within five to 10 points of Donald Trump in New Hampshire. And DeSantis is not making any sort of stand in the state. Mm. It's an open primary. Democrats and independents can participate in the Republican primary. That's even more acute, the cycle, because there's no official, at least, Democratic primary on the the Dem side. So, yeah, Nikki has a chance there. The question is, it's one primary out of 50. <laughs> so like, where does yeah, she go after that? But look, like momentum is very, very, very important. Coming out of Iowa, it looks like there's a, a muddle for second. DeSantis wanted a strong second place. Nikki Haley wanted to sort of surprise 
people and grab a second place and sort of roll into New Hampshire on fire. But what's your read on how, one, what does DeSantis do now uh, after coming in a distant, distant second to Trump? And then two, what's the reception going to be like for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire from your point of view on the ground there? I don't think it really changes anything in New Hampshire. Um, Iowa, they already knew what Iowa was. They already knew that Trump was going to win Iowa. And actually, as we know, historically, New Hampshire voters, they just don't they don't care. I mean, I'm in this bar um, in this cigar shop in uh, Nashua and they're watching the NFL uh, finals. They don't care about it. They think like they could care less about what's happening in Iowa. So I don't know that it's that relevant. Sure, it's mm-hmm. good to have that momentum for the donors, the media, the consultant class, but I'm not sure it really matters for New Hampshire voters. Uh, I don't see how DeSantis can make up any ground in New Hampshire. I was just talking to the one guy who's for Haley, and he was like, no, you know, we're a libertarian state, live free or die. We don't, you know, we don't like his stance <laughs> on abortion, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. It's too restrictive. I think... He's, if anything, he's going to have to come in like a brutal third in New Hampshire and like justify going on. But I think Ted Cruz kept going and he's got a lot mm-hmm. of like former Ted Cruz people on his team. And I could just see him hanging on, even if it's like humiliating. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe when he finally gets to Super Tuesday and Florida's in play, he'll finally decide, hey, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be humiliated in my own state. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm of the thinking, I have a little bit of a of a disagreement with you. I think, I don't think DeSantis stays in very much longer. I mean, he doesn't have the money or the support. Um, right. He's going to go, you know, try, maybe, he's saying at least he's going to go try to make a play for South Carolina where it's more conservative. I mean, we've right. both been through multiple presidential cycles where candidates say they're going to stay in, you know, right. no matter what happens in Iowa, no matter what happens in New Hampshire, but they, you know, He'll get with his wife and his, you know, close advisors and like they're going to have to make a political decision that there's just no running room for him. I don't know. That's just that's just my take. We'll see what happens over the next few days. He oh, might. no, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I just think he might stay in longer. DeSantis blows $200 million on a ground game in Iowa and he's fighting with Nikki Haley for 20%. <laughs> like, can we all just like agree that Ground games in Iowa are not worth that much. I mean, she had nothing. She didn't even pay attention to Iowa until Labor Day. Mm -hmm. And obviously the Koch Networks, Americans for Prosperity, they helped her out. They had like an operation that could help and with ads and this and that. But I mean, she wasn't really playing at all in Iowa. And the fact that she's that competitive after they spent a year, it's like, hello, maybe this isn't worth a dime. Yeah, no, I think that's a great like big picture, like obvious, but needs to be said take (laughs) DeSantis it's so clear how much he has invested in Iowa versus how he ultimately performed and like there just doesn't seem to be an appetite for him and the other thing to keep in mind here is we have New Hampshire next week we have Mm -hmm. sort of weird because of some arcane slash MAGA meddling out of Nevada Mm -hmm. you've got a primary and a caucus the Republican Party is running a caucus uh, DeSantis has filed for that. Trump's filed for that. Nikki filed for the actual primary. Basically, like Nevada, with apologies to John Ralston, is will be a muddle. But there's a long break between New Hampshire a month. and South Carolina. Like we're talking like a full month. Yeah. And so right. DeSantis has to 
summon donors again and say, hey, I need a lot of money to stay in this thing for a month to go That's on air, true. Yeah. to build a field mm-hmm. team, all this stuff. You know, I right. again, I don't see that happening. And then Nikki Haley, even if she like, win, say she wins New Hampshire, um, she's right. got to go to, and I'm a homer for South Carolina. I like love that state. I lived there, covered it in 2008 from Columbia. That state is the state that picks Republican nominees with the exception of Mitt mm. Romney in 2012. Like it's not Iowa. It's not New Hampshire. South Carolina mm. ratifies the Republican nominee and it's a conservative state with a lot of evangelicals, but also a lot of suburbanites. It, it'll be like interesting to see if Nikki Haley can make a stand there if she has momentum. But like that's the, that state's Republican Party has gone over to 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 Trump. I mean, like the governors for Trump, yeah. like it, it's it's a Trump state. And like I it's going to be so hard, so hard for either of these other two candidates to stick in in the race that long and and in a head to head against Donald Trump. You know, Nikki Haley's she's got to run a straight shot. And by the way, we should say you and I called this long time ago, Vivek cruising into a single digit finish in Iowa. Mr. Mr. Irrelevant last night. Uh, He's probably also going to step aside but who knows he loves the attention he's destined for the cpac speaking circuit for the next few years but he will not be the republican nominee shocker maybe in 2028 if trump lets us have another um election or if we've already changed over to um you know, full on monarchy. I don't know. <laughs> or dictator rule or whatever he chooses. Yeah, I can see Ramaswamy running for governor or Senate in Ohio, where he's from, uh, Cincinnati, uh, my ancestral. Really? You could see him in um, actual, like, running for the Senate? How could he ever? I guess JD Vance made it work. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah. by the way, I see him much more running for the Senate than governor. Governor, you actually have to do stuff. <laughs> Senate, yeah, you can just true. throw darts and uh, create content for social media. Um, Tara, I'm going to let you go and talk to these 12 wise men in Nashua about their take on Iowa. Thank you for joining me so late on Monday evening. And once again, everyone, go check out Tara's podcast, Somebody's Gotta Win. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.